Welcome to California School News Radio. Here are your hosts, Kevin Osmus and Drew Schlossberg. Good day to you. This is California School News Radio, the voice of education in California. Welcome to the program. Every week we bring you newsmakers from the world of education to discuss what's going right in our schools from the perspective of administrators, teachers, students, parents, and community members. I am Kevin Osmus from VMA Communications, and with me as always is my partner Drew Schlossberg. How you doing today, Drew? Doing just fine. Looking forward to this interview as well. Yes, it's cooled off a little bit, and I enjoy it. I enjoy the cool weather. Uh, I hope everything is uh, fine where you are. Today, we are going out to Whittier Union High School District, where they're now providing COVID-19 vaccinations to the community in partnership with the Paramount Family Pharmacy and the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Every Wednesday from 5 to 7 at the district office, community members can come and receive a vaccination, and this will continue until at least the end of the fall semester and likely beyond. We'll, we'll find out a little bit more about that in a bit. Uh, over 100 vaccinations have already been administered. And uh, to provide this free service, it takes a lot of planning. And it's another excellent example of school districts rising to the myriad of challenges that have been created by the pandemic. Here with us today to discuss how it all came together is Whittier Union Assistant Superintendent of Educational Services, Monica Oviedo. Uh, Monica, welcome to the California School News Radio. Thank you. It's an honor to have you on the program. You know, Monica, there there is so much great work being done behind the scenes at, at school districts, putting together a vaccination clinic not quite open like opening a lemonade stand, I don't think. But before we go into that, let's let everybody know who is eligible for a shot and what they need to know when they come to the clinic. Sure. So who is eligible for the shot is actually everyone over the age of 12 uh, and up. Uh, so that's, that's first and foremost. So we are giving the Pfizer uh, dose. And so uh, other, other groups that are eligible, third dose, we've started doing those this past week. And so anyone in education, because we do have such um, a chance of coming into uh, contact with so many people, we do um, have that ability to do third doses as well. Um, and so really that's, that's who's eligible, lots of different groups. We are hearing that in the next few weeks, uh, the FDA is going to give approval to even younger students. And so we anticipate that five-year-olds up to 11-year-olds will be coming on board um, maybe even as early as the end of October. Okay. Um, what they need to bring with them. Yes. Um, if they are young, if they are 12 to um, um, 17, they do need to bring a parent with them to the clinic. Uh, they should also bring something um, with them for, for young folks that it shows their birth date on it. That's really important for the pharmacist to make sure that we have people that are, are the right age that we're not bringing in. Uh, kids that are younger than 12. Um, if they have a copy of their insurance card, they're going to bring that as well, uh, but that's not an absolute. So those are some of the key. Everything else we have, consent forms and, and whatnot, we can take care of there. And then how did you get the ball rolling on this? I know that you were doing uh, some clinics at uh, individual school sites throughout the district and uh, possibly even doing some uh, things before that during the summer. How did that all come together? Right. So it actually started when vaccines actually came online and we found out that educators were going to be able to get in line with that. 
And so at that time, we were partnered with PIH, our local hospital, and we were offering drive-through vaccinations in the spring for all educators. And so that then morphed into, they were shutting down those drive-through vaccinations. Um, and we honestly thought that, you know, the COVID transmission rates were really low and, and we had gotten through this. Um, but as we moved into the summer, more students were allowed to get the vaccine and realized that we needed to uh, take that on in-house. So the practice was back in the spring, and then in the early fall, within um, August, early September, we, we offered vaccine clinics at each of our school sites during the school day. And the thought behind that was captured. The students are captured, and they're on campus, and we can give them the shots. But that was a difficulty. Obviously, pulling them out of class is a disruption to education. Uh, they don't have the parents there as well, and so, um, so we realized there were some constraints with that, and so decided to expand by having weekly community clinics in the evening, uh, that we would make it available for everyone in the community, not just for our students. And so that's how um, we came to where we are today. Yeah. And, and Monica, you're just doing it on Wednesdays. Is that correct? Yes. From Wednesdays from five to seven, um, we are open. Right. And, um, and have you ever thought about a chance you might get overwhelmed with like 16 zillion people coming by? I mean, that'd be a good headache to have, I guess. It would be. You know, we have seen increases already. So the first week was uh, just three weeks ago, and we had about 23 people that, that came. Um, last week, we were up in the 30s, and last night, we actually had 59 uh, folks who showed up. Most of them register through the MyTurn site, which makes it really easy. And when they register there, then our pharmacists can see how many people are coming, and then they will staff appropriately. So, you know, for the first clinic, you just need one pharmacist. But last night, they had multiple people um, that were able to get the shots, give out shots. And so we're, we're able to handle the volume um, in that respect. So it's a good problem to have. Um, and so if, you know, if it became too overwhelming, we could always extend it an hour or we just roll those folks over to the next week. Right. Now, are the shots given by the school district nurses or they, or is it from the public health department? It's actually uh, the public health department is in partnership and they um, connected us with a pharmacy. So they're actually pharmacists that give the shot. So they're medical personnel um, who are, they actually compound the shot there and then are providing that uh, for them. But we do have uh, licensed vocational nurses who provide aftercare. So once they've gotten their shot, 15 minutes they're waiting, um, they, we've got a nurse there just in case. Right, exactly. So how many of the folks, um, is this uh, the second time around that they could get a shot from you folks? Or uh, I've got to refresh myself, remember how long it took for my first to second shot. Um, right. It's been a while. And we get to my age, you can't remember what happened yesterday, for God's sake. Um, but, <laughs> uh, me too. <laughs> it's three weeks. Uh, Pfizer is three weeks between doses. Okay. And then for those who want a third dose, it should have been six months since their last dose. Right, exactly. So then obviously the ones who are getting, what's the percentage of those that are getting their first, getting their second and boosters, uh, or is it just too new to tell? Um, well, I can just anecdotally tell you that most of last night was third doses and that, I, and I saw a lot of familiar faces of our own staff who were coming in um, to get those. But really what excites me is when I do see um, people coming in to get their first dose, I didn't really see any second doses. I, I tend to sit right there with the pharmacist and, and uh, take in some information. 
And um, so what I'm seeing with the first doses is people who maybe because of their job, they're realizing the mandates are coming. And so we they want to get vaccinated. Um, they're, they're turning 12. And so they're coming in with a parent um, or an older sibling who is an adult uh, to get their shot. And, and I want to say I really appreciate the pharmacists that we have through Paramount Family Pharmacy because they are so good. Their uh, bedside manner, so to speak, amazing. And I've watched 12-year-olds be so nervous when they sit down in the chair and then it's over and they literally will tell the pharmacist, oh my gosh, it's over already? I, that was nothing. So I really appreciate that because I think that ensures that they're going to come back for their second dose. Yeah, there's, there's, no, there's no question being the son of a doctor. I just love to hear what you're, you folks are doing and really a shout out to uh, you and uh, the other uh, Folks at, uh, at Whittier on this, um, nothing more important, heaven forbid, than keeping everybody safe, not just the kids as well. And I think that's uh, that's great. And I think as we move down the line, there are going to be more and more people uh, doing this. Kevin? Uh, yeah, and I wanted to give a shout out uh, to also to a Paramount Family Pharmacy. I, I don't know them, but I just know that the independent pharmacy, which is almost uh, completely gone now, those are the best pharmacies. I, I, I know that a lot of people go to CVS and, and Walgreens and all these other places, but to have a local pharmacy, because I know because we had one here in my area, he's retired now, but he served my family uh, and everybody in the community for years and years, knew everything about you, uh, knew everything about uh, what you were prescribed, was able to work the deals. If you had it, it cut you some slack uh, if you weren't able to pay. And and so for Witter Union to be partnered with uh, uh, this particular pharmacy and to know that they're so great with the kids and, and everybody else, that is a wonderful thing. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I definitely see that connection. In fact, um, we uh, we were really struggling with some of the big uh, box pharmacies, getting them to return our calls regarding setting up uh, these clinics. And particularly in the fall, we always do the flu vaccine clinic. And so yesterday we brought that up to them and they said, absolutely, we'd ha be happy to help. So I'm really pleased that we found this partnership. It was kind of funny. One of our assistant principals, when we were setting up the logistics for the first clinic at one of the schools, um, recognized the pharmacist of having gone to one of the schools that's in our league. Um, just across the road at El Rancho. Um, and so that was kind of cool uh, that they remembered each other from high school. Yeah. Hey, Monica, are, are you offering um, flu shots along with the booster or with the second? Um, at this point, no. We're focusing on the COVID shots, right. but it is our intent to offer flu shots to our staff in the near future. Great. Kevin? I, I had a question because Whittier is a huge city. Uh, and it just, it's almost, it, it, it just, you don't even know where it stops and it starts, honestly, in, in a lot of ways. Um, and you are a high school district. And so there, there are so many other school districts in the city that I imagine that you have to be able to reach out to and, and let the people there know that their kids can come to uh, your district office and get a shot. So how does, how does that work? How is the outreach going there? So you're right. It's huge. I mean, I grew up in Whittier. It's 46 and a half square miles um, of area. We have five elementary partner school districts of varying sizes, including the oldest school district in the state of California in Los Nietos. Um, and so what I really appreciate is the relationship between the superintendents who are regularly talking to each other and sharing resources. And so, for instance, we are planning a um, vaccination information night between Pioneer High School and Los Nietos, because when you look at the, uh, the vaccination rates by school district, student age 12 to 18, 
that area is really, really low. It's in the low 40s. And so we really want to uh, provide a service to the families in, in that area, share with them about the safety of the vaccine, have a doctor come and talk to them in English and in Spanish, I'm going to really make it kind of a festive event and then register them and get them vaccinated. So, so that's one of the ways that we are planning. And we do anticipate it, as the rules uh, and the guidelines change, allowing younger kids to get vaccinated, that we will be expanding our vaccination clinics to serve those families. And then not only that, uh, the logistics of putting something like this is, is tremendous. And uh, I, again, like I said, it's not just like opening a, a lemonade stand. There are so many things. I mean, you had to get your partners. You had to find the location. You had to find the right location. You decided on the district office, uh, which seems to be right there in the heart of town. Uh, explain a little bit about how logistically you're able to pull this all together. So it definitely takes a village or a huge team of folks, um, support staff, clerical staff uh, to do that. All of our maintenance and operations custodial uh, to help with that. In addition, as, as you mentioned, to our partners in L.A. County Public Health and in um, the, and the pharmacy. And so, uh, you know, what I really, really appreciate is everyone's just willingness to support this community effort. They recognize the value of helping people to be safe. And so they have volunteered um, to help. And so I appreciate all of that. It's really a can-do attitude amongst all of those different folks helping out. First of all, I think it's fantastic, to say the least. I mean, and I know you uh, feel this way uh, too, Monica, another touch point with the people that are in the district, you know, um, here where they're getting a shot, but you can chat with them about other things out and all that business. And we all know that in this crazy COVID era, we're still sort of in it, to say the least. You guys know that better than anybody. Um, that it's nice to have that face-to-face -face interaction. Um, I haven't seen you in a year and a half or whatever the case may be, and I didn't know you were doing this. That's great. And I think we sometimes forget about that. Um, you guys don't because uh, you educators are got the empathy uh, gene bigger than anybody in the world, and we need to sit there and share that with so many people who've lost that. But I think that uh, how, talk about how important that is that you're sort of reconnecting with old friends or making new ones. Absolutely. So I think all of us got into education because of our desire to serve. And so um, that was certainly evident in the spring when we were, um, were partnering with PIH, all of the cabinet, our superintendent, myself and our other two uh, assistant soups, we were directing traffic. But that was a great opportunity just to engage with staff members that we hadn't seen um, all year. And so just that, that's why we did it. I mean, I mean, we were just, like I said, moving traffic along, but it was those short conversations we were able to have with staff about how they were doing and connecting. Um, more recently, I absolutely love when a, a woman will come, like last night, uh, one of uh, our, our community members came in and she wanted to talk a little bit about the vaccine process and said, you know, I'm going to come back in a little while with my 90 year old dad. That was a, a great thing. And then sure enough, she brought him back and he got his booster. Um, the first week, uh, we actually had somebody come in and they got their boosters. Uh, but then they also said, you know, we had a close contact for um, someone who who had COVID. Do you have COVID testing? And that is something that we do offer to um, all of our campuses. We've coordinated our own COVID testing program. And so I happened to have a box of tests. And so took them off to the side, got their consents completed and their um, COVID tests done. Thankfully, they were all negative. Um, but the great part of that was, so it was the older, uh, the, the grandparents 
but with their grandchildren, all of whom were Cal High, gra uh, Cal High grads and or current students, and to hear about the successes of those kids. Both of them were in college at USC. Uh, we had a great conversation about the band um, because they, were, they had been um, band alumni. And so it was just great to know that our kids are doing so well in the community um, and that they feel connected uh, back to our school district. How many other districts in uh, Southern California or California as a whole are doing what you're doing? You know, I um, I couldn't tell you how many are doing Vax clinics, um, but I can tell you that there are quite a number of school districts who are doing the COVID testing. I, I, we are partnering with California Department of Public Health on COVID testing, um, and that's a, a great grant that we have. And there are hundreds of schools um, and you know that and school districts that across the state that are partnering with that. Um, I, I believe in our local Whittier community, we're the only ones currently doing weekly vax clinics, although there are some pop-up clinics at different uh, school district locations. I would imagine that at some point or another, uh, districts may contact you to, to see what you're doing and, and, and find out how they could do that. Have any, have any districts contacted you yet? about this? Um, not with regard to vaccines, but certainly regarding school uh, testing, because one of the things we really wanted to make sure um, is it was a bit of a process to get onboarded with the South California Department of Public Health on COVID testing. It's very daunting. And so what I always want to make sure is whatever I create, I share, because I, I truly believe there's always a best, a better way to do something. And why is somebody going to reinvent the wheel if we've spent a lot of hours uh, building so I'm always happy to share uh, our resources with my colleagues. And I do that through other agencies um, and community groups, like for instance, AXA, I'm involved with that. And, um, and so everything I have created I, in Google is available to view by anyone who asks for it. Very collegial of you, uh, Monica. So that's- <laughs> Collegial, well, listen, yes. That, that, yes. That, that's terrific. Um, you know, uh, have, I'll throw this one out here. Maybe it's getting my old uh, curriculum development background on this. Um, has this turned into a learning experience for the kids at all? I mean, uh, obviously they can see how the process is working. Um, they certainly know about COVID to say the least. Um, is there any takeaways that uh, this could tie you to some type of a science lesson or a, a, a English lesson or social studies or whatever? Yeah, you know, um, when I do have the moments where I am able to do my real job, which is, you know, assistant super of educational services, yes, I do hear of stories where teachers are having really good conversations about the science behind um, COVID, behind mRNA vaccines, um, behind community transmission and the statistics related to that. So, so yes, our teachers are definitely using this as teachable moments. Um, uh, so, so I would definitely um, say that that is a true statement. You know, because I find it fascinating. Um, my background is in journalism as well as education, and um, I'm always fascinated how uh, information gets out or misinformation gets out or whatever the case may be. And uh, and, and you folks have a tough enough job. Uh, there was no social media when I was going to school. Um, there was like smoke signals maybe. But, uh, you know, but listen, um, I think there's been enough written about, um, you know, misinformation when it comes to this uh, aspect of it. And it's so important that, um, what you folks are doing is this is important. This is why we're doing this. Yeah, you know, you talk about misinformation. And one of the things that we have put out is a parent information booklet. And it's been through a couple of reiterations uh, because of COVID. It's, an, it's novel coronavirus. So things are changing all the time and what we know about it. 
And so our most recent version, we did feel the need to put a whole page about vaccines and to dispel some of the myths with actual research uh, because there was just so much misinformation um, about it. That's a tough thing to combat. Uh, so kudos for you for first keeping up on that and, and going through all the, the iterations, as you said. Well, I, you know, listen, I think um, it, this is an important time in our, our country's history. You guys know that better than anybody being an education institution. And, um, you know, there's a lot of interesting things happening. And I'll leave it at that. And at least I can come to this trusted source of my school, my teachers, my uh, superintendents, my uh, principals. That's got to mean a lot to you, Monica. Yeah, we have, I, I cannot stress how much we have a wonderful relationship with our community and the trust that we have in them and they have in us, whether that be them knowing that we're going to take great care of their student and, and support them academically and social emotionally, um, that we are going to have first class facilities for, for them. You know, I want to just kind of say another thank you. To me, this is a huge service to our community as a thank you. Uh, they, back in the middle of COVID, when our schools were closed, overwhelmingly supported our bond measure. And that passed by 70, uh, 70% pass rate. And I was really worried because, you know, there because we were closed and we weren't in-person instruction, that that was going to happen. And so anything that we can do as a school district to support our community, we want to do. Kevin? Well, once again, we are speaking with Whittier Union Assistant Superintendent of Educational Services, Monica Oviedo, and we are talking about uh, Whittier Union's weekly vaccination clinics. They're held from 5 to 7 every Wednesday at the district office, which is located at 9401 Painter Avenue on the Mulberry side. Uh, that's very important because that complex is huge. I've been there. It's easy. It's easy to uh, it's easy to get lost in that area. Um, um, and doing a, a tremendous job so far. And I just want to, before we go, I just kind of want to talk about just the, the kind of the wonderful nature of Whittier because it's just a tight-knit community. You're a Whittier native. You, you, you grew up in Whittier. You've been working in Whittier Union now for, for many, many years. Uh, you've talked about just families coming in, the grandparents and the grandkids. They, they all have attended Whittier schools. What is it about Whittier that is just so cool like that? You know, it's um, it's actually a pretty large town, over 60,000, 70,000 uh, residents in the greater Whittier area, um, but it definitely has that small town feel. And I would probably even, um, you know, its roots um, as a Quaker town back in, uh, you know, 100 uh, years ago. So I think that that has that, that connection um, as well. So that would be what I would say. It's just a very friendly place. People really try to get to know others. And there's definitely a central hub in that uptown Whittier area that went through some major challenges, you know, after the 87 earthquake. And that really did bring people together. And there's been a renaissance um, in that community. I think it's also getting a, a reputation as a foodie uh, destination now, which is kind of fun. Uh, so, you know, and I would also I'm going to say we have an amazing school leadership, but also we've had a history of great leadership in Whittier Union for many, many years. And so always with the focus on closing achievement gaps and doing whatever it takes for students to be successful. And so as a result, um, people feel very confident to have their students in our schools and it's just a great symbiotic relationship. And it benefits when people from the community come back like you have and, and lead the way. Uh, it's even It gets even better than that, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. 
And so, okay, well, Drew, uh, do you have any uh, final thoughts for uh, for Monica today? I do. I'm going to put her on the spot a little bit here. So you all come from an education family. Your son is teaching uh, high school social studies in Glendale. Your husband is a teacher. You've been a teacher and so forth. Okay, so after you become superintendent at whatever district, um, and then uh, you make just great plans, and then you become a university president, what is uh, next for uh, for Monica? You know, I um, always try to be the best at the job that I'm doing, and this is, I've been at the district office now, this is my sixth year, right. but only my second in educational services. I actually started as the assistant soup of business services, or the CBO, okay. um, and so, and, and that was after 12 years as a principal, so this is just my second year, and I haven't really had a real year of educational services. Most of my time, candidly, is COVID testing and COVID vaccines. So I certainly, um, I would love to stay in Whittier and continue to support the students here and, and continue to grow. And I'm confident at some point in the future, there'll be an opportunity for me to, to have that superintendent role. Don't know about the university president, um, <laughs> but uh, certainly, and I would love to get back to um, working with other educa uh, educational leaders. Uh, I mentioned earlier when we started the show about my work with AVID, the right. nonprofit on college readiness. And I really, um, I, at my core, I'm all about teaching and learning. That's my passion. And so um, I'm just grateful to be able to do this work in a community that I love. Well, Kevin, I hope it's okay. Um, we're going to invite uh, Monica to come on back and talk about all the unbelievable educational services programs, college and career pathways, and uh, linked learning and everything in between uh, that, you know, is going on in big time fashion at Whittier. Uh, Union High School District. Uh, can you commit to that? How's that sound, Monica? Sounds good. Maybe just give me a little bit of time uh, to get all of the vax clinics off the ground. And um, But yeah, I'd have you to come back anytime. Yeah, well, we have an opening next week. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I was just going to put you on the spot and say I, I noticed that you attended both UCLA and USC. Uh, you know, this is a hot topic among California school news radio, among the inner circle here. Uh, I'd, I'd largely stay out of it, but so that's kind of a who? Who do you root for in those in oh, those yeah, situations? So true. So I actually, um, I grew up as a USC fan. Um, and when I was in high school, uh, my mom started working at USC. Uh, but when it came time to pick my my college, I, I ended up picking UCLA. And I had an amazing four years as an undergrad there. Uh, but when it was time to go to grad school, I did pick SC. So I do have a master's and a doctorate from SC. And my, my sons are huge SC fans. So we root for USC football. Um, but in my heart, I'm never sad um, if the Bruins um, upset. So, uh, and then UCLA uh, basketball tends to be what I will root for as well. Well, in other words, you get you got a little bit about the best of both worlds. I there. never lose. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much, Monica Oviedo from Whittier Union, uh, the weekly vaccination clinics. If you're in the Whittier area, oh, oh, one other thing: do, do do you prefer walk-ins or do you prefer uh, they register to? to get a vaccination before they come in. Sure. So I we would prefer if they would register that way if it's a large number we can have additional staffing for the vaccines, but we will never turn away someone who is walking in. We'll help them through and register them on site. 
wonderful. Thank you so much, Monica. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of California School News Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, uh, thank you to our guest, Monica Oviedo. Uh, thank you to Drew Schlossberg and uh, to Ad Santel, our engineer, and Joseph Faber, our producer, and to Andrew Landeros and Kelly Wynn, and to Andrea Garcia from VMA Communications, some of the hardest working education teams in communication. And, of course, also to Valerie Martinez. That'll do it for this week's show. We hope to see you again next week. And until then, uh, just uh, keep on educating yourself. (laughs) Take care. Bye-bye.